recording over probably a rather low-scoring game. Welcome to Panda Pod. to the 233rd episode of the internet's finest English language Argentine football podcast. I'm Sam Kelly and this week I'm joined by Antonio Massa. How are you folks? Who has asked me to point out that he predicted that Vélez Sarsfield would beat Newell's Old Boys. Uh, Newell's Old no, Boys? Rosario no. Central. Rosario Central, thank you, the other ones. Um, two weeks ago and he was correct and I snubbed my nose at him for doing so. Uh, so well done Tony. Thank you. And also, we're joined by Remy Lehman. Remy, welcome back. Hey all, nice to be back. We're unfortunately drinking some, some slightly horrible Fernet and Coke um, to start with this week because I had some of a bottle of Coke left from last week and it had gone flat. So sorry guys, I've given you two a little bit of the new stuff as well, so it shouldn't be too disgusting. Um, and also I'm going to apologise in advance in case there are any background noises that we don't pick up on um, during this recording, but normally I have Andres' headphones plugged in. Um, and on my head whilst we record so that I can hear what the microphone is. At the moment I've got my own earphone in just to check the early levels but I'm going to take it out now because it's not particularly comfortable to wear for ages and ages. Um, So here we go. Um, As usual we will start with a rundown of the results uh, from the last weekend in the Primera but also I will just mention that low scoring match that I talked about briefly a second ago. Um, we are 17 minutes into Independiente against the Brazilian club Chapecoense. I think is how it's pronounced. Chapecoense. In Spanish, that's, that might be, but uh, in my near native level Portuguese, <laughs> uh, it's another matter. Um, the uh, the club who River knocked out in the quarterfinals of last year's Copa Sudamericana. Um, mm-hmm. They're back this year for their second ever continental tilt and back in Buenos Aires. Um, and as I said, I think this is going to be quite a tight one with two teams who like to play on the counter, but it should be interesting all the same. We will keep you up to date with the scores so far. It's nil nil after 18 minutes. And the scores from the Primera over the weekend were Colón de Santa Fe 1, Tacheres 0, Lanús 0, Union 1. Interesting. Yeah. Good weekend for clubs from Santa Fe City. Exactly. San Lorenzo 2, Vélez Sarsfield 1, Rosario Central 2, Patronato 1, Central finally scoring their first goals of the championship. Aldo CB 1, Banfield 3, Quilmes 1, Independiente 1, Sarmiento 1, Newell's Old Boys 1, Atletico Tucumán 0, Estudiantes de la Plata 2, Tempele 1, Arsenal de Sarandí 1, Godoy Cruz 1, Boca Juniors 1, Belgrano de Córdoba 0, Olimpo 0, River Plate 1, San Martín de San Juan 1, Racing 1, Defensa Justicia 1, Tigre 1, Huracán 1, and Gimnasia La Plata 0, Atlético de Rafaela 1. Um, there were not very many goals this weekend, were there? Yep. Run, there, were, there were plenty of um, matches where the, the goals were shared that there were. Uh, which one stood out for you guys? Well, I think Estudiantes is still on the good road. Uh, that many predicted that. 
at the beginning of the season, but they're doing the things very well, I suppose, in terms of, of results, of course, but uh, I guess it's the, the the one team that with the first three games is, uh, is better than the rest, I guess. Yeah, They haven't conceded any goals yet in yep. the Primera. They've only conceded one in all competitions, and that was... Um, Am I thinking of Studiantes? No, I'm not, because they, they conceded two, didn't they, against uh, Belgrano in the Sudamericana um, in the second leg. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, uh, in the league, at least, they, they look very, very well controlled. They laid down a marker um, with that win against 2-0 win away to Atletico Tucumán, which put some pressure on River and on Gimnasia, Estudiantes City rivals, who were the other two teams who won their first two matches. Um, River were held 1-1 by San Martín, which we'll talk about in a few minutes, I think. Gimnasia against Atlético de Rafael on Monday. Did anybody catch that? No? Well, I was off his out. Times, oh. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, that surprise win for Atlético, now that I'm looking at it, because it's just occurred to me I hadn't actually seen that result until just now, um, looks like a very good result for Atlético, not just because Gimnasia had started the season relatively strongly, but also, of course, in the relegation battle. So we yes. will yet again give a brief discussion of the relegation battle a bit later um, but first of all I think where we're going to start in terms of our discussion of the big five um, is with Boca Juniors who had a very good performance to follow up on they, they were impressive Carlos Tevez aside against Belgrano um, last weekend winning 3-0 at home and a sort of tricky-ish um, trip to Mendoza with many, many away fans present. They're mm-hmm. slowly coming back into Argentine Stadium now, we're delighted to say. Um, but a 1-1 draw with Godoy Cruz after a, sort of really struggling to make any kind of a breakthrough until Gino Peruzzi did so in about, uh, with about 19 minutes to go. Um, what did you guys think of it? Yeah, I was not impressed by, uh, by Bocas. The Bocas pl- uh, played during, uh, during the match. Very few, very obvious uh, chances. Mm. Tried to keep the pressure, but they had uh, they lacked creativity. I didn't see them finding a way through the defense of uh, of Golikruz. Easy, and Golikruz hasn't exactly got the best defense in in the competition. So it was a little bit surprising for me to see Boca struggle so much, even though Tevez not being there, we could expect Boca playing. Yeah, it's a team with Tevez and without Tevez. Yeah. They're going to be without Tevez for two more uh, league matches at least they, they don't have an upcoming Copa Argentina um, tie which we will get onto the organisation for later on uh, because that's a talking point as well um, but the big talking point sort of last week when we were talking about Boca was who do they replace Tevez with and at the time when we recorded last week it looked like there were two main options which were either Fernando Suki the, the central midfielder um, putting him in central midfield and changing the system or putting him in Tevez's number 10 position which would have been a bit weird but it was being discussed um, or bringing on a, a winger um, and moving Ricardo Centurion in field and in the end the Barros Equilotos went for the latter um, moving Centurion into the number 10 role and it didn't really work at all did it? I mean he was superb against Belgrano and didn't do very much at all against Godoy Cruz. Well, Centurion is, is a player uh, more comfortable going to the, to the sides to play as a winger, so it, it was kind of obvious that um, Centurion, even if the, 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 the kind of skills he have that maybe won't work to be a number 10, he's not that creative, he's just skillful, 
So I think that in the terms of maybe uh, thinking of firepower, it was the, the obvious uh, choice, but mm. didn't work out clearly. And Boga, I think that they like that. They like uh, a plan B when Tevez is not there to, to... Even if Tevez is not the most creative player in, in, in Argentina, but uh, there's not another creative player to, to replace Tevez in case he's not there. Yeah. Or maybe to, to keep the nerves under control, because Boca, let's not forget, they were one, I have it, only nearly 20 minutes to go. Mm-hmm. And they gave, they gave it away. Mm-hmm. They did. I can't remember what the goal was like now. Uh, Boca's defense looked pretty awful. Yeah. Uh, the goal of, uh, I don't know, lapses of concentration from <coughs> Boca's defense. The, the thing that, obviously, after, especially after Boca have this kind of start and drop more points and everything, you start, you start to see a lot of stuff, particularly from Boca fans um, on Twitter and whatnot, sort of mentioning how far behind River they are and mm-hmm. also how far behind the league leaders they are mm-hmm. if, if River aren't the league leaders. Um, and and that you know lots of people are getting very exercised about the fact um, that they are now I think it's five points behind Estudiantes aren't they? Um, so Boca currently are and this is obviously only after yep. three games so in a way it's yeah. ridiculous but they're they're, they're twelfth place on four points Estudiantes are top on nine mm-hmm. um, and having talked briefly about Estudiantes just before we got on to Boca perhaps now let's let's actually mention them properly because okay they were only playing Atletico Tucumán but as we said they, they look fully in control um, of all of the matches they've played so far and, and, and their concentration's not slipping they look a very well balanced side and, and they have a decent um, looking strike partnership Ignacio Bailoni is, is a player we've mentioned a few times already this season the youngster who, who had a cracking start to the season um, against Atletico Tucumán Carlos Auski scored both of the goals yes. um, so between those two they're, you know, they're, they're keeping Lucas Viatri on the bench um, they're, they're doing fantastically and, and they have a, a squad that can rotate it, it's sort of all of the things that Boca I guess need to be aspiring to um, but Estudiantes are able to get it and, and it's something that Boca haven't really managed to have for a few years now in spite of the fact they won the league last year um, they almost seem to win it by default in a way yeah. um, why is it easier for Estudiantes to reach that point than for Boca well I think it's organisation is the first point and we, if we look at uh, who runs the clubs we we have a great contract between Beran and, and Hedici. Uh I don't know too much about how Veron is, is running Estudiantes in, in a you know everyday basis like you, you may know Boga because made the papers all the time but clearly Veron it's listening to to the to the coaches and the, the players they, they want to get in the market and, and how run the, the not only the first team but but the, 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 the youngsters so I think that the, the main difference between this kind of clubs is uh, how serious they're uh, managing in, in the top. And then we have a lot of problems on, underneath that, but I think this is the, the, the first thing and the obvious thing to, to address. Yeah. And it's a funny thing, uh, you'd mentioned that uh, we, we know relatively little about how Bidon runs Estudiantes. It's something that's really accessible by Argentine media. You can know almost everything you want to about Boca and River. 
Uh, if you open the, the daily sports uh, yep. newspaper, Ole, like the first 20 pages might be about the Boca and River. And then after that, there is some space for the other clubs. So it's, it's hard to know what's going on at these clubs. But some of that is, is, is Boca's own doing as well. So of course, uh, yeah. And, and this ties in very nicely with what I mentioned earlier, which is that Boca have a Copa Argentina game coming up, which Carlos Tevez, I'm assuming, is going to be not suspended for. Um, and it's against Lanús. And the reason that it ties in really nicely with, with the way that Boca's directors behave um, is that this, this match is scheduled for next week, isn't it? Is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and this weekend, Lanús um, were originally scheduled to play on Saturday and Boca was scheduled to play on Sunday. And the match was going to take place on the Wednesday, which was all perfectly in keeping with the AFA's regulations about clubs needing to have at least 48 hours rest before the next match and might be 76 hours rest or something, but whatever the, the limit that they set is, uh, it, it was fine. And then Boca's directors started moaning. I'm not sure anything actually came out from the players or from the coaching staff, but the directors started going, no, no, they can't have more rest time than we've got. We have to go in with exactly the same amount of rest time. Um, and for some reason, rather than Boca volunteering to play the game a day earlier so their players could have more rest, they were insisting that Lanús had to play on the Sunday as well, yeah. even though the security people weren't happy with that and lots of other things. Um, and so we now have a situation where the Lanús game has, in fact, been rearranged and it's going to take place on the Sunday as well. Um, but it's just sort of one more symptom of... I mean, it wasn't going to have that much of an effect... But it seems like Boca's directors, and it, it happens with other clubs as well, certainly, um, not infrequently, but, but it often seems like Boca's directors are sort of particularly desperate to win the game in the boardroom just for the sake of it. Yeah. Um, and, and that distracts from what's going on on the pitch. Yeah. I mean, and they, they also the want, to, want to win the title in the market, if you want to, to say it too, yeah. because they all think enough. Of buying, 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 just buy the name and spending a lot of money. So they don't care too much about what happened on the pitch, uh, except the result. Precisely. Um, and that, that distracts from what's going on on the pitch, inevitably. And, and, and it has a knock-on effect because it, it doesn't help the club to stabilise. Yep. Uh, the, 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 there's a lot of uh, talk at present about how some of the directors are, are a little bit... Um, shall we say, dissatisfied with, with the Barros Equilotos after the, mm-hmm. the Godoy Cruz result. Um, some of the rotation, some of the, the substitutions, the changes that are being made and so on, they're starting to think, well, hang on a second. We've been saying, and you know, we on Hand of Pot were also saying when, when the Barros Equilotos um, uh, twins came in at Boca that it was going to be, it was going to take until this point of the year before we actually had a look at Guillermo Barros Equilotos Boca because yeah. until then he was managing Arroyo Barrena's team and obviously didn't have a um, uh, really any set amount of time to, to train the players up and didn't have um, a transfer window to deal with now he's had that and he's had a very very long winter period to train the players with because of the delay to the start of the yes. season and so on um, we are undoubtedly seeing his Boca team and it doesn't look that different to, to Arroyo Barrena's no. and it's also I think because of the same points we're talking about of not being stable enough to just concentrate on the football. I mean, it doesn't matter how uh, good are you on tactics or, uh, you know, um, the philosophy you try to, to put on the pitch and the players you, you put uh, and you select on your starting eleven. that doesn't matter if the players are thinking about something else. All, all this week, and, sorry, all this week, 
um, we're talking first with the Centurion thing about the, the car crash, then all the the, the, the the players from Colombia that doesn't play and that also get to the papers because supposedly Guillermo didn't ask for, for them. So Sebastian it's all Perez such and, Perez and, and uh, one Barrios. So it's all a pile up of things that even if you try not to be distracted, they are distracted. And that psychologically plays in your head when you're in, on the beach. It uh, doesn't matter who's your coach, uh, how you play, or if you want to play a, a semi-final of a cup or any league game. That uh, Even if people always tell you that they try to concentrate just on the game, that doesn't happen. It's something human. If you want to and there, there are distractions. Yeah. And it's, it's a in stark contrast with other clubs, like you mentioned, Estudiantes, but also River Plate, who used to have a lot of the same problems we're seeing yeah. at Boca now. Uh, but since the new, uh, under the leadership of uh, Donofrio, have at least from the outside seemed to improve on institutional yes. quality, which also and, uh, came with better results on the on the pitch. Or Colón de Santa Fe, that almost gets relegated with um, Lerche and all that. And this segues in very nicely with the fact that this weekend just gone, River Plate were able to draw 1-1 against a team from the wine-growing region, the wine-producing region of Argentina, without everybody going crazy and treating it like... Uh, it was a sign that the club was going to hell. Um, that's a semi-jokey comment about the fact yeah. that got away from us from Mendoza and San Martina from San Juan. Um, so we can move nicely on to Rivers' 1-1 draw with San Martin, which was a bit disappointing, yes. I yeah. thought. Um, especially playing in the They, they struggled to really find the rhythm, and obviously, as, as Tony says, especially being at home, um, we were expecting a bit more of River. They, they'd started the season in very good form and, and didn't really get that. But I thought San Martin... Um, did a really good job of closing them down as well. I mean, whenever um, you get a result like this, especially in the Monumental or in La Bombonera, there's often this sort of everybody piles on to River or Boca and says, oh, they were awful. But, and yeah. th- there's sometimes a bit of a thing of overlooking the, the good and effort that the other it, team put in. Many times it, it, it was like a break point. We, rem- we, we remember the, the Aldo Civi win uh, against Boca with the Oswaldo ball. It's most, more or less a breaking point in the, in the season, but even this early. But I think we all expected to, to River to play like in the first game against mm. Manfield, but it was really far from that. But it, anyway, it doesn't seem like everything is so wrong with River after all. Uh, Just a draw. Yeah, no, ex- the goal of uh, San Martin, I mean, it was awful defending of River. That, I mean, the goal of San Juan... Um, the, the goal there were three river defenders within half a meter of the player that scored it was incredible this, these kind of goals they shouldn't happen yeah should it down but it was one of the few opportunities San Martin San Juan so not just looking at river but having to applaud San Martin for taking the opportunity to make that goal of the few chances they actually had yeah good for them although it hurts <laughs> me a little bit being a river fan of course indeed Ezequiel Montaña the San Lorenzo lone player uh, who scored twice against San Lorenzo in the first weekend was was very good again. In fact, I think he set the goal up, didn't he? From um, which Bicharro had finished. Um, but yeah, I mean River, as I say, struggled to really get into their rhythm. Some of that was because uh, San Martin were pushing people right up onto, particularly onto Leonardo Poncio. Mm-hmm. Um, and River have, have been praised in the first couple of weeks for playing this magic rectangle. Um, 
with Pontion, Dignacio Fernandez sitting in front of the defence, Andres D'Alessandro and Gonzalo Martinez um, both sort of occupying the number 10 role in front of them on different sides of the pitch. And then Sebastián Andriusi and Lucas Solario up front, so 4 2 2 2. And San Martín had a look at it and, and worked out that if they could really press Poncio, um, who was the outlet for the defence, then River were going to have to start going long and that they were going to have difficulties with that. And so it proved, in, in fact, once Ivan Alonso came on, who's a bit sort of stronger and more powerful in the air than Driussi, who he was replacing, River started to get a little bit more of a hold on the game, let's say. But I didn't see them really being in a hurry to make the 2-1. It was no, like, they were exactly. they, they looked confident, like, no, that goal, that will come, don't worry, we'll take some time. Because some of teams goal, it didn't come like 10 or 15 minutes before the end of the game. So whatever attitude of the key team was, don't worry, guys, we have this, we'll, we'll make a goal within the next 20 minutes, 25 minutes, mm. don't worry. But maybe exact, exactly that absence of urgency made River look like they weren't really going for a win while you're playing your River you always have yeah <laughs> that again could, yeah, uh, comes along the, the psychological thing if that happened to this Boca they were all on, on to the attack and trying to score no, no matter what and model the uh, sudden usually ends in Boca losing like it happened with, with Leon they get the draw and then Finally, and losing because they tried to win no matter what, and not thinking too much about the defense. Then again, we see that the, the contrast between Boca and River now, of course, um, River uh, didn't have the urgency, like you said, and that played too in, in, in not getting desperate or too um, upset with the, with the draw against San Martin and so on. Luxury of, of doing one of the first two matches, I guess, because of course even. Uh, without the 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 two one win river three points and ten ten places better off in the league yep. um, than than Boca so of course to an extent that's because they didn't have to throw everybody forward um, San Lorenzo played in probably the highest profile match of the weekend yes um, certainly the the closest to a real rivalry because this weekend's derby in inverted commas, the one that's going to be repeated again at some point in the season in the classical round, uh, was, I can't remember which one it was, but whichever one it was, it wasn't a derby. Or maybe Temple Arsenal. Yes, that was it, wasn't it? Because I said that last week. It's Temple versus Arsenal. So San Lorenzo versus Vélez is not the classical, of course, because that is... Um, Huracan. It's it should be Nueva Chicago, although yeah. last season or last time they did this round of Classicals, Veles got drawn against uh Tigre or Argentinos, didn't they? Tigre. Chicago yeah. got one drawn against someone else, but Veles' actual classico is Chicago. Um, but these two clubs anyway, San Lorenzo and Veles don't like each other very much. Um, yep. particularly in recent years. They played in the Nuevo Gasometro, and it was not as good a match as I've been expecting. I was expecting it to be a bit more fun and significantly more violent than it turned out to be. Um, but Sebastián Blanco scored early on for San Lorenzo. Nicolás Tripiccio scored fairly late, 15 minutes to go for Vélez. And then Nicolás Blandi got the winner a couple of minutes after that. Can we say much more about it other than that it was remarkably good-natured considering the way that some of the matches between these sides have gone recently? Well, what I can add about the... Sunderland's actually it's how they are um, taking the best of of Nico Blandi 
I mean, it's not actually the, the best goal scorer in the history of Argentinian football, but even with not the best uh, record of goal scoring, he's doing it quite fine with San Lorenzo, which is remarkable. We, nobody said it, but he's been an asset for, for the Azulgrana. How many goals has he got for them now? So far, he has four. He must have. I mean, no. San I mean, Lorenzo, you, uh, since joining San Lorenzo, okay, full stop. Because he's been there for what two years at least. Yep. Um, I'm gonna Google Wikipedia him quickly. He's only 26. I thought he was my age. My word. Uh, he has been with some. Oh, for one year. 2015. Ah, uh, no. There we go. He went to France. He, he joined San Lorenzo in 2014. Um, so in total, he 20, 20 goals in 31 games. It's quite good. Yeah. It's really good, actually. That's in his current spell, and then before it was 5 in 35, so I mean, it's he, quite a transformation he, between 2013, 14 and 2014, until... He had the this, same this number of spell. goals that, than in Boca in the half of the games. Yeah. It's a real improvement. Hmm. Um, so, well done, Nico Blanding. Yeah. And good luck with the continuing. Um, San Lorenzo are picking themselves up as well, it should be said, from... Um, that very disappointing 2-2 draw against San Martin on the first weekend, which we've mentioned already from San Martin's point of view. And uh, the previous result was also a draw, wasn't it? No, we... Oh, was it? He had seven points, so... <laughs> Two wins and a draw. Who was that against? Um, no. Hurry up and load, come on. Yeah. 2-0 uh, to... against Defensio Justicia, you're quite right. Justicia, yeah. um, so this was the first sort of, I guess, really tough test... And for Vélez, it was the first defeat after starting with two wins. And, you know, this time last week we were saying, maybe Vélez aren't crap again. Um, and now it looks like maybe they are. Oh, not so crappy that we thought, but not so good as yeah. the first two games. It's it's still too early to tell, yeah. basically, what we've learned from uh, from this match. Um, the Amishaneda clubs were both in action. Independiente drew 1-1 with Quilmes in a match that I don't think there's much to say. I think that Independiente have one eye on, on this match that they're playing right now against Chapecoense yeah. um, Emiliano Rigoni scored again he's got and he will remember this one yes of course yeah, he, he, was he will remember this one because the one with Belgrano he had an accident and yeah. he could remember it um, so well done him and well done Independiente and Racing also drew 1-1 in their case against Defensi Justicia um, I managed to watch nearly all of that match yeah, but missed too. both goals because I was out of the room. So, <laughs> well done me, but Sergio Vitor scored for Racing and um, Arepa Ari, uh, Rios. No, no, Arepa Rios. Rios, isn't it? <laughs> Andres. Um, Andres Rios. Yes, it is Andres, yeah. Um, scored for Defensa Justicia. And it was kind of a hard game for Zielinski for the fan point of view. He he made the same change with... with um, the 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 the, the uh, midfielder who played for Colón, I don't remember now the game, um, the name, um, who came in for a, for a striker and he made the same move last week. Videla. Videla, exactly, and he do it again this weekend, and he got a lot of criticized from from the fans yes, for doing that. He did. They were saying that he was managing as if he was still in Belgrano. Yeah. Um, I think that there is a, a justified sort of uh, expectation that, that the players, uh, that a manager is going to manage a bit differently when he's managing racing at home than they will 
when he's managing Belgrano away from home. Yeah. Um, we thought, I think, when Zielinski was announced for Racing, which of course was a week into the season, uh, so this was his home debut. Yes. Um, it's worth remembering that. Obviously, you don't want to lose your home debut, so maybe he was being safety first for that reason. Um, but we thought that he was going to sort of, I think, generally be a fairly good, sensible signing, a, a remarkably sensible signing, in fact, considering his racing. Um, but the pressure is going to start building on him pretty quickly if they don't start winning, winning matches. Yes, and um, maybe to the the ways of Zielinski, uh There's a lot of criticizing of him that the Racing played too many long balls just for the sake of it, mm. not as a, like, you know, a tactic to, to get the, the ball to the main striker, just to get rid of it. And even Pancho Cerro said that maybe they played too much, the long ball. So, well, also I think um, there's a period to adapt to Zielinski, to Racing, the fans to Zielinski, the players to Zielinski. So I know it's maybe t too early, but the criticize is there. How many games should we give him? Honestly, when 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 should we see his racing play? When when we should we give him five games? We give him six five games? for starting? Yeah, five five six games. Maybe. Because because that, that's kind of a, depends on of course in Argentina which that's, club yeah. you're <laughs> yeah. uh, director technical at many top five clubs you don't have five or six. Uh, yeah, I think we said that we said in, in our preview episode was that Racing decided at the end of last season that they didn't want Saba to manage anymore, but they didn't sack Saba until a week and a half before the beginning of the season. So they went through the whole winter, and then they used the stupid Copa Bicentenario, or whatever it was called against Lanús. Um, the defeat in that was the excuse to finally sack Saba. Yeah. Which meant that Claudio Ubeda came in and, and didn't... Uh, obviously, it was only a caretaker, but he, he had to take charge for the first match. And then Zielinski gets appointed, and immediately has to start managing and preparing for league games without having had any kind of preparation, without having picked the players he wanted... Um, without anything so I think that uh, similar to what we were saying about the Barasek Kinotos we're not going to see Sielinski's at Barasek for six months minimum yeah to be honest yes but, um, the, the, the way of so maybe before, before he actually starts coming under pressure I mean you've got to give him at least a month and a half especially yes. with, uh, obviously he's going to have the international break to, to make some uh, um, not signings, but to, to, Tactical, to get some of his ideas. Yeah. Exactly, yeah, to adjust his tactics. So maybe but the Racing fans, they are right that they see Zielinski uh, as if he were still coaching Belgrano, but there's a good argument for that because he's had very little time. Yeah, awesome. but also Racing is coming from a couple of um, coaches that, that wanted to play in a more uh, attacking fashion. And suddenly they got Zielinski because first I, I think it was the, the the main option given that he had the club and they got got results and Belgrano very good to be to, to Belgrano and I, I think that the dude just the, the they didn't think about how Zielinski plays or want they team to, to play they only thought okay it's the best option available uh, after Coca and Saba, they, with without the results, they try to be more uh, attacked minded than than Zielinski. Because that's who they were. Yeah. Or are in fact they're not they're not dead. <laughs> not dead. So, yeah. That's who they are. Um, and Racing, you know, for that reason as well. I mean, Racing knew who they were getting when they appointed him. 
Um, whether the fans like that is another matter, but we shall see. Let's give them some time first. Independiente, we've skimmed over already, which completes our big five, therefore, uh, round yep. up. Um, so, any other matches that really stood out from the weekend just gone? Well, that you thought. We got the surprise of the champion losing against Union. Yes, we did. With um, Union visiting, not only. Precisely, yeah. Um, not just losing, but losing at home. Yeah. Uh, Lucas Gamba, the goal scorer with his head. Um, I missed it. Did you catch it? You no, I don't. Okay, well. That I just saw the, the highlights, to be um, honest. And we have Rosario Central, as I said, scoring their first two goals of the season for a with the Walters. deserved win over Patronato. Yeah. Is this where they finally start getting going, Central? Well, I, I don't know if this is an... Uh, uh, before everything started this uh, with this tournament, I thought the Patronato will uh, kind of maintain the, 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 the rhythm they got in the, the, the last one, where without being uh, completely overwhelming, they, they were quite good, especially at home. Mm. So maybe it's not... Uh, uh, a measure to, to Rosario Central to know if they're going to 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 start working like like lately do well I know first it's a win you know that you work differently on the week with a win precisely so yeah. we have to see again Patronatus I don't think it's not a measure this this season for anyone and I think I'm going to, to pay the pixels because it is very difficult not to feel sorry for Patronato yep. because I've just uh, obviously they've started with three losses um, against Tempela, Gimnasia and now Central and their next three matches are at home to San Lorenzo away to Racing and then at home to River and so, they have just one goal in three games yeah um, it's not a particularly auspicious start to the season for them you suspect um, so obviously well We'll keep an eye on them, <laughs> particularly as they're playing three of the big five in, in the next three three match Same. match uh, match weeks. Um, but yeah, it's it's not looking good. Um, elsewhere in the relegation battle, we mentioned already that Atletico de Rafaela got a shock one nil win over early joint leaders Gimnasia La Plata. Um, so having just discussed Patronato very briefly, we may as well now pull up the relegation table um, because elsewhere in the relegation battle we had. Tiber and Oracano are probably just out of it, but you never know, drawing 1-1 with each other. Tempele and Arsenal drawing 1-1 with each other. Atletico Tucumán, of course, lost 2-0 to Estudiantes. Um, Sarmiento drew 1-1 with Newells. Aldo Civi lost 3-1 at home to Banfield. It looks like Aldo Civi's decent home form um, is not going to be quite in such sort of good fettle um, this season. So at the moment, Owen oh, Tacheras were quite unlucky to lose to Colón. As they were I, quite I didn't unlucky. I see the game, but I heard afterwards yeah, that the, they were they they had a penalty to, uh, to yeah, now, to penalty, like. yeah, in the last 10 minutes. Mm. Um, in fact, let's, since you're here again, Tony, as our court of a correspondent, um, what did you make of Tacheres and Milgrano's um, performances this weekend? Well, I think the uh, first... Uh, I got to congratulate Belgrano because they're going to leave Argentina to to play an international cup finally. Mm. They were playing the South American Cup, but always uh, against Argentinian clubs. They finally beat Estudiantes, and that was quite surprising. I think that no one at Belgrano thought no, they were going to win. Lost the first leg 1-0, and then yeah, exactly. 2-0, yeah. And 
Then again, I think we the the main point of Algrana is the emotional part. They uh, try to do the, the the best they can. They draw all the energy they have to 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 be this to on this. And again, Olimpo again, it's kind of a dull team. Uh, the Gonzalez is not quite finding the, the right foot to to manage yet. And the Shedes is just being unlucky. I mean, they're not playing super good. They're not bad. But they can seem to find the goals. They can seem to, to, to find the results too. Um, so I know I think it will be a head-to-head -head, uh, if Tachera still this unlucky head-to-head -head, um, battle to, to see how which one is getting a, a worse season, Patronato or Tachera. Tachera mm. uh, have a really complicated um, task to maintain the, 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 the Gatorian and, and not being relegated. Especially if Atletico Rafaela keep trying to, to, to be up there. It's, it's been a, a good start of the season for the, the Santa Fe province teams. New Colón, Mules, Central, quite good. And we have to see Defensa Justicia. Well, at first, we thought it would be a quite normal season, but with Jonas Gutierrez, they actually play a really good game against Racing. Mm. Uh, uh, we can see if they improve, and they have a, a really good uh, um, uh, game this week against River, so we'll have to see how, how that, that turns out. Indeed. Uh, in the relegation zone, where's my relegation tab gone there, is uh, Tacheres are uh, bottom, with one point for three matches now. Um, Atletico are second bottom, Tempele third, Olimpo fourth bottom. So those are the four teams currently in the relegation zone. But just above them, Sarmiento, Patronato, um, both very, very close, in fact, in yes. percentage. It's a bit difficult to obviously look at it and say, oh, there's not much of a gap there when, when uh, Patronato are only dividing by 19 matches and Sarmiento are dividing by 49 and so on. Um, Quilmes, I think, need to pick themselves up. Defensa, I think, are going to be okay, but I, I, by the skin of their teeth. Purely because I think that the other four of those other teams we've already listed are going to be worse than them. Yeah, um, <laughs> Plus, you have Arsenal, who, who are in danger of, of just going into free fall. I know we say this every season uh, with Arsenal, but, but it, it's not very difficult at all to see them dropping like a stone. Um, if they don't get some, some decent results together soon um, and possibly even Aldo Sibi because as I said Aldo Sibi had a reasonable home record um, last term in 2015 but this so far this year I think they've started it quite poorly if I'm not imagining things um, they have begun with a, yeah two, two home defeats they've got one point so far and that was a way to Union uh, yes. They're two home games. They've lost both of them against Colón and against Banfield. So not against uh, you know, title challengers or teams like uh, Estudiantes or River either, but um, Colón and Banfield, who are the best one in the world, are not as good as those teams. Yeah. Um, as Banfield themselves demonstrated on the opening weekend when they got thrashed by River. Um, so the relegation battle is, is hotting up already, but um, we will be able to go into more detail with it when it starts to look a little bit clearer, which will be like... Three weeks from the end of the season, when something yeah. actually and we, I, we so. see the, the the manager with the with the calculator on their hands and yeah. and trying to see how them to avoid the relegation. But it is a shame for Tacheres because we were saying at the start of the season that they'd spent big on the squad. They had a yeah. very they have 
in fact, a, a strong-looking squad still, uh, and a relatively deep one, and it seemed like they were going to stand a real chance of staying up. But obviously, they still might. I mean, a couple of straight wins in, in a couple of They're matches up. will put yeah. them way up at the top of the table rather than down at the bottom I think of it. Tony was right that they have been fairly unlucky so far this yeah. season. I mean, the, the match against River, that really could have gone both ways. So let's give them some more time. Indeed. And hopefully they'll rub the green at some point. Um, I'm going to play some music now while we refill our glasses. And when we come back, we will have some listeners' questions for you. And we will discuss just a little bit about what Mr. Messi's injury is going to mean, or might mean, for Argentina. Um, during the first half in passing that away fans were returning to Argentine Stadia little by little uh, there were Boca Juniors fans lots and lots of them in one end of Godoy Cruz's stadium or rather because that's another thing that we didn't cover in one end of the municipal stadium in Mendoza um, for the Godoy Cruz match on Sunday um, in the 11th minute of that match Godoy Cruz fans held up bits of paper appealing to be allowed back to their own stadium or not rather allowed but appealing for the club to go back to their own stadium because uh, it's now 11 years hence 11 minutes into the game uh, since Godoy Cruz last played a match at their own ground Same's happened with with, uh, the the clubs from Cordoba they don't want to play at the campus even if quite uh, a good stadium Although Belgrano Frequently do play in their own stadium as well. No, they're they're, just, they're, they're um, games the campus. No, no, they're they're um, reforming it. Oh, they, 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 okay. they plan to to have the new stadium finish next year. Oh, okay. That's they don't play. Oh, I didn't realize that. I thought they'd. Uh, I must must have been imagining it. In any case, <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't imagining Godoy Cruz uh, fan protests, which I saw one or two Argentine journalists on Twitter referring to as European style fan protests. Yeah. Not incurring in violence, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> or, 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 or singing against the... Yeah. Um, anyway, lots and lots of Boca fans were there. Um, Actually, they, they set off smoke bombs. Or, or these yet more neutral fans? Technically, they're neutral, but... They were, right, because I hadn't heard of that being one of the matches that they'd okay to technically a neutral thing, but they're right. not so neutral. Or um, neutral, fa- neutral fans with Boca shirts. Yeah, yeah, they decided to all turn up with... Blue and yellow. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. The, the funny thing actually was during the match, uh, just after Boca scored the the one nil for them, they set off all kind of smoke bombs, yellow blue, mm. which actually made it quite hard to see Golay Cruz's equalizer a few minutes after yeah. that because the entire stadium was filled with smoke. Yeah. Um, Before we, uh, we continue, sorry, yes. I, I wanted to to make a, a little bit of a point. Uh, looking at the table, there are only three teams without uh, against goals. You know, like not receiving any goals. First, Estudiantes, Colón, and Unión, which is quite interesting because I, when we made the preview, we thought that Colón, Newells, and Unión will have like quite goodish uh, seasons and they start quite well, mm. to be honest. 
and they didn't receive any goals, which surprised me a lot. That especially uh, Union, they lost a, a couple of good players, and yeah. Madelon managed to continue their kind of good form. Only two goals for for Union though in three matches, yep. so um, at least they're getting the most out of the goals they score. Um, but yeah, it looks like away fans are going to be back. They're sort of the people they, the specious they are, are selecting one or two or three matches per weekend with uh, and then attempting to get clubs to agree to allow away fans into those matches and local authorities of course indeed um, it's proving a little more difficult than, than they would like yeah. this coming weekend for example uh, Defensor y Justicia versus Riva Plate was going to have away fans uh, it was in fact at one point moved Defensor announced that it was going to be played in Racing's stadium so that they could sell loads and loads and loads of tickets because Defensor's stadium Famously, because they mentioned this uh, earlier in the season, as did we, is uh, not ready to receive away fans. Um, I apologise for the constant car honking in the background. I have got the uh, Tony's lent me his headphones now. They're very plush. Yeah, I that's why they bought them. Enormous. Um, but um, yeah, so it was going to be played at Racing's ground and River fans were going to be there and they have now announced today that it's going to be played at Defence Eagles ground and River fans are not going to be there. Um, the reason for this depends on which club's directors you listen to. Defence Eagles directors say that uh, River didn't want to take the responsibility of selling the tickets for their fans. River's directors say that that's not how Primera ticket sales work and that if you're going to let fans in the away end you have to sell the tickets yourself if you're the home team, um, and therefore that River shouldn't have been expected to to take that responsibility on in the first place. Um, so I don't actually know who's right. I don't know what the, the, the rule is, but basically it's posturing by directors who don't really want away fans let in anyway because they'll have to pay more in, in security fees and whatnot. Yeah, of, of course it's that. You know, paying the security fees to see how to split the, the money and... That's the real reason of the, the, the argument. Or maybe the things like Justicia, uh, they decided, well, what do we need more, the money or the points? <laughs> and playing without River away fans, that might feel for them like really playing away in a different stadium, not playing their own ground, being outnumbered probably by... Maybe the tactics too, because it's a bigger fans. stadium than the mm. So who knows? <laughs> the reality of the situation. Indeed, but that's a rough sort of summation, anyway, of the the matches. I'm not sure which games it was that had away fans, if any, last weekend, um, and which ones have been earmarked for it this weekend. But if you're watching on streams and you notice that there appear to be away fans, then that's why they are very, very gradually uh, coming back. But there is a lot of resistance. It's not a replay, it's an actual game. Yes, <laughs> live, yeah, live game. Yeah, um, so of course, combined with measures that, uh, the, at least in the city of Buenos Aires, people now have to bring their identity cards to the game. At well, least in theory, and they're checked randomly in the Battle of Rallies. Yeah, finally, checked, because so. it's kind of obvious you have to take your identity card. I guess technically, you have to take them anyway because you have to have them on yeah. all the time, don't you? But sounds like a really progressive kind of measure but it's kind of obvious to, yeah. to be honest well I think it depends I mean to British ears it sounds very regressive because we don't have identity cards and you you know you don't expect to be stopped in the street and any policeman can say produce your identity card now it sounds very Orwellian yeah that's illegal um, you know but here 
well, we don't have identity cards, so it's not illegal. It's just they, they can't do it. <laughs> we don't have something like that. Uh, but, but here, obviously, people are much more used to it, and uh, it becomes um, perhaps more normalised. I, I don't know what the situation is in Holland, really. No, actually, uh, since a few years, we have uh, you have to show your identity card. You can be asked to show them on the, on the street. It was a controversial law. But in Holland, the situation is a little bit different because I think that 90% of away matches, you need to be registered with your club yeah. anyways. Right. So the club knows exactly who is going yeah. to yeah. that match. This would make sense in Argentina as well, of course, but uh, of things that make sense and Argentina don't belong in the same sentence together. <laughs> there we are. Um, we had some bad news just before we started recording, which was that during Barcelona versus Atletico de Madrid, Lionel Messi suffered a recurrence of the injury that kept him out of the Argentina, the Venezuela-Argentina game, I should say, sorry, because it was in Venezuela. Um, a couple of weeks ago um, Barcelona's medical department have announced he's out for three weeks which is going to take us right up to the next World Cup qualifying double header so without going into too much detail about it right now because we'll find out more obviously closer to the time but it looks like Argentina are going to get another bit of a practice of playing without Messi and that didn't go too well against Venezuela so Tony as the Argentine on the panel this week yeah um, are you nervous about this now? Or no I don't I don't. I still think that we have to learn to to live without Messi, and we only will to know that playing without Messi. <laughs> to be honest, um, again, I don't think that Argentina is going to have many uh, difficulties to to qualify to the World Cup. So not playing with Messi, I, I don't think it's make me that nervous as Argentina. Um, I don't remember against. Which we play? That's two uh, games. Paraguay is one of them, and the other one. Peru. <sighs> Peru sounds right. Yeah, it could very well. Be. Probably. Yeah. Well, again, I, I don't think it's going to to be that uh, bad for for Argentina. So it's a team to to even maintain the kind of good form that they have in the qualifiers. And I mean, it's, we are not in a situation like Chile, that actually is the win winner of the last two Copa Americans and they're out so far mm. so I know it's good to uh, as long Bausa doesn't make any weird choices like playing Vanegas a winger uh, I think we're going to be quite alright yeah, and even even maybe if you draw one of those games if you have four power points out of the next two matches you're still quite alright I mean, oh, I'm not sure I, I think they're yeah. going to they're gonna need to win but after, after the reaction to the Venezuela match um, and the fact that the next double header is Colombia or Brazil, I think you need six points mm. from, the, from the next. Um, yeah, probably. Next. Um, but we'll see how it goes. And I have to correct myself. It's a hamstring, uh, a, a, an adductor injury. It's not a recurrence of the um, uh, hip knock that Messi took that kept him out of uh, Venezuela, Argentina. That was what was it thought at first, but it, that's not what it was. And I love the the to the to the listeners we're watching the the Ole website and it says on the title uh, goodbye uh, national, national team, team yeah. so it's like why goodbye national team it's not like he broke the leg it's just the most because they're not going to get any any clicks yeah I know of course but People it's, it's quite funny, it's what? funny he's retiring again yeah, yeah I know I know um, but, we will move on to listeners questions now Tom Robinson asks where have all the goals gone. Is this an early knock-on effect of the extra relegation spots? 
We had a question, several questions at the beginning of last season asking why there were so many goals. Maybe it was because only one team was being relegated and I didn't really think there was much of a correlation there. I'm not convinced. I think it's coincidence, probably, more than anything. But I don't really have a convincing explanation for it other than that, do you? No. Yeah. Let's see what happens next week and if we, we see a pattern of, of uh, the, the teams that run the risk of relegation. Yeah, but we could expect closer games with the relegation teams on the final match days, not now. Mm. It's just, you know, even Tachetas have to, for example, have to look for goals, to be honest. Not to try to draw a nil-nil. They, they, need the they want to, yeah, they need the points. So, it's just a coincidence, I suppose. I don't know if there's ever any kind of momentum that gets going as well, but I mean, the the particularly high scoring um, torneo de transición that we just had was a case of the the very first round there were loads and loads of goals, and it seemed to snowball. Um, I don't know whether there's a degree of luck in that, whether it's you know, okay, so I guess all of the teams starting out playing really openly and then they can't quite get the control back from there. Um, who knows? Yeah. I don't, unfortunately. Sorry, Tom. Um, Chris Murtagh has volunteered for this week's Mystical Predictions, which you'll be... Uh, I, sorry, not you. <laughs> I will be reading out um, shortly, so thanks for that, Chris. Um, Darren Paul has several questions. He says, what was that about from Racing this weekend? Long balls. Maybe it's the, the, the short answer. Indeed. And we've already gone into um, the fan reaction to Cielinski and, and whatnot, so hopefully we've sort of answered that question, Darren, already. He says, what does Gustavo Bo need... Well, he actually says, what does Bo, but I assume he means Gustavo. Walter Bo, for Boca, of course, just needs, I think, a start or two or three. Yeah. But Dario Benedetto is still being preferred. But obviously, Darren is talking about the racing one. Um, Gustavo, what does he need to kickstart his season? I think he just needs one good game. Is what and Darren maybe says. stop thinking about that move in China that didn't work out. Ever since that, that doesn't play it. You so It's been in the back of his head. Yeah, I think it is. He wants to, to move abroad while he can because, to be honest, uh, he had just a couple of two seasons that are really good and mm. that's it. It's not that of a but regular it's, player. It's consistent. And, and another thing that I wonder is that, that we sort of asked ourselves several times when it was happening, when he, when he was first looking like a decent footballer after a few years of not quite being there whether it was something to do with playing alongside Diego Milito and obviously now Diego Milito's retired and Gustavo Bowles' form has dropped off coincidence? yeah we have to see how it worked out with Lisandro Lopez when he come back it's not mm. quite a good figure up, uh, up front to play with so that's maybe uh, accompanied of the form of Bowles yeah um Maybe it's also, I mean, it, it ties back into Tom's question about the, the lack of goals so far. I mean, he's, he's not the only striker who is struggling a little bit to find the net. So possibly it's other teams tightening up their defences as well. Um, Darren also says, what's the profile of Chacarita Juniors? Oh, we're going to, into the essence of football right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a second, so yeah, with our... Uh, uh, one less game than than Brown. So if they they won the, if they win, sorry, the the, the, the game they don't play yet, they may be top. So I suppose they're a good contender so far. But uh, we have a, a couple of good teams in the in the National League. 
Chacarita, Ferro, Chicago, mm. the copy up top. So yeah, I, I'm not quite the, the, the specialist of Ascenso, but they're looking good so far. So. Indeed, and profile-wise, they're, I mean, they're certainly one of the biggest clubs in the B. They, they have a good um, run back in the 40s, I think, 50s. They won a couple of yeah, Primera Division titles, yes. if I remember correctly. Three. Google them. Oh, hang on a second. Yeah. That's, uh, if you're better in mind, but uh, bear with my um, keyboard clicking, listeners. Yeah, they have one. Uh, the Metropolitano Nike 69. 69, that way. Well, yeah. there we go. Uh, they're one of the bigger clubs in the Ascent, so anyway, as we say. Um, and they've been in the Primera within relatively recent history, right? I'm sure I can remember them being in the Primera at some point. Maybe 2010, the last one. Good. I'm not, I wasn't imagining it. Mm. <laughs> well done, mate. Yeah. Um, so they're decent, decent team. Um, historically speaking, I mean, they're obviously not one of the, the true giants, but uh, profile-wise, they're very well known. It's a, a team very... Um, Related to a neighborhood in Buenos Aires, yeah, like Even you know, Atlanta with with Villa Crespo. Although, although Chacarita don't play in Chacarita, not in, not in, not in the city yeah. of Buenos Aires at all. Yeah, uh, these days. Although or Almagro, they have a, a club too. Mm. But I mean, they're, they're tied and they have the the, the um, uh, they represent a kind of neighborhood, if you want. Yeah, the spirit. Um, I suppose they're a bit more like San Telmo in that. They don't play in the city anymore, but everybody in that barrio yeah. <laughs> supports them. Um, and then possibly at times one of the uh, one of the two giants or one of the other big five as well. But um, well, if, everybody's if, a San Telmo fan in San Telmo. So. You have the rivalry between Chacarita Juniors and Atlanta, Atlanta. which is yeah. from a neighboring Vichacrepo, yeah. and Atlanta is playing a division below Chacarita at the moment and is playing relatively well. They're up top. Yeah. So if Chacarita doesn't. Uh, Promote to the Primera División, we might, and Atlanta will, we might have a, another Clásico, mm. yeah. just at the lower levels. Yeah, the uh, there, there are a couple of good names in, the, in Chacarita so far. Germán Re, you may remember from Estudiantes uh, Unidos. Yeah. Uh, Diego Rivero, played at Boca. Juan Manuel Torres, do you remember the, the racing midfielder that played in, in Ukraine a couple of years ago? Oh, yeah, I can remember. And uh, Damian Manso, who played for Unidos. Too. Wow, that's a strong squad for the second division. Yep. Um, Darren also asks of the managers in Argentina right now, who could cut it at a top European side? Marcelo Gallardo is the really yeah. obvious answer. He's probably going to go to one um, before too long, too long in managerial career terms. At least. Yeah, and we thought Coca was the the, yeah. the, the first one when the, when he left Rossi. Actually. Uh, Coca and Saha thought they were uh, European bonded when they left Racing and ended up not quite where yeah. they expected to be. Um, otherwise, I, I like Pellegrino's general. And he had a European uh, experience. Precisely. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if he could. And if you'd asked us when. We'd only seen them at Lanús. I think we would have said Guillermo Barroso Quilotto. Yeah. I, I keep saying them because I just I, I can't. And he was almost Palermo's one, uh, one unit, precisely. Um, so the Barroso Quilotto twins as manager and assistant manager. Um, but during their time at Boca, it's, I mean, obviously if they can turn it round, we're only three games into the season. 
um, uh, admittedly, and it's slightly underwhelming most of, of last championship as well. Um, but if they can turn it around and sort of really get a handle on it, then then they could very well still have a hope there. Um, maybe in a few years' time, Gabriel Milito. I mean, he's struggled a little bit for consistency of his former clubs, but so far this season with Independiente, he's turned this time last year. Independiente were conceding four goals a game and having to score five to win. Yeah. So far this season, they've conceded. I think it's one goal in one goal. five matches in all competitions, and it's nil nil an hour into this game against Chapecoense now so it wouldn't be a surprise plus of course he's got and again he's having enough European yeah he's having enough European experience to to doesn't have to adapt like Guillermo Guillermo he doesn't mm. he was uh, uh, even uh, sound uh, strong to be the the general director of Columbus Crew the the, the, the team he played yeah. in the MLS there's the difference between Pellegrino uh, Milito and Guillermo Hiloto the Milito and Pellegrino have enough uh, European experience do not have that time of uh, adapt mm. to the European football sure Remy does anybody I mean you're obviously from a, the Dutch school when, when, <laughs> when we went up to Rosario together and we're talking to to Lionel Messi's youth coach he was far more interested in talking to you about Dutch coaching than he was to me about English <laughs> coaching I can't imagine why yeah. <laughs> um, so does anybody as, as your, to your uh, expert Dutch eye strike you here as a particularly innovative manager? It's um, probably a no, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I don't I don't want to be the snobbish <laughs> foreigner who talks down Argentine football. Uh, but to be honest, if I'm looking at the Dutch uh, Primera División at the moment, I can't see any imaginative coaches either. So Argentines, don't feel bad for yourselves. <laughs> I have a hard problem finding those in Holland as well, and I think the Dutch national team is at the moment playing a very unimaginative uh, style of football uh, with uh, well results that are uh, really, really, really bad. I'm all, <laughs> I almost feel ashamed to be talking about Dutch football in a moment, so let's switch back let's to, to, to Argentina. Let's move on. Darren also says a general comment of thanks for the podcast. Keep up the stellar work. Thank you very much for the thanks, Darren. Uh, it's our pleasure. And he says, please bring back the Spanish word or phrase of the week. So off the top of our heads, do we have one for this week? I've only just seen this question, or I would have suggested it earlier. A Spanish word or phrase? Uh, to do with football. To do with football. Well, I don't know how many of you already we, said. We'll try and, uh, and start it up again next week, Darren. If yeah, that would be cool. Um, this week is slightly too short notice. If I'd seen your tweet when you first sent it, then I would have uh, happily tried to think one up. Tom Robinson is back again. He says, if you could make a five-a-side team of players in the Primera, who would you have? Wow. Um, <laughs> question. I would pick the, not no Primera players, but I would pick the gents who are currently um, representing Argentina at the World Futsal Cup, the Futsal World Cup, in fact, I yes. it's called, uh, in Colombia, which is being televised on... Fox? No, it's on Direct TV, isn't it? I'm, I'm trying, it yeah, probably because Direct right TV now, right it's on, now it's television. It's on TV, everything. I was trying yeah. to work out what I'd seen it on, um, and has proven quite entertaining so far. Um, but no, more seriously, Premier players who are good at futsal. I'm sure they all are. <laughs> that will be quite difficult. Um, Monetti is a keeper, I suppose. I guess. Okay. Good reactions. Um, yeah. Then it's quite hard <laughs> to, f- especially when you have thirty teams to choose. Yeah, yeah 
but you, you need players who are good in a small area. I mean, in the, in the you want defenders who can come out and play with the uh, with the ball at their feet. I mean, maybe even play Poncior as one of the yeah. backs, for instance. He can do a good job defensively and passing as well. Mm, yeah. Who else? It's a really good, hard question. Yeah. yeah. Gonzalo Martinez made a couple of nutmegs at the weekend, so let's throw him in. This yeah. is going to be a very river-heavy team, but this is what you get for asking on a weekend when uh, on a week when Remy and I are both on. Um, I'm on every week, of course. Oski still, maybe. Oh, okay, yeah. And one more. Let's try and pick a Boca player, or we get double. <laughs> we get accused of bias. Uh, well, I like Pavon. He's skillful, so yeah, that's a good call. Centurion maybe needs a bit more space to really get up to full yeah, speed and stuff, doesn't he? But yeah, Pavon. Yeah, a, a big pitch kind of player. Independiente have just missed a sitter, and we will not be picking uh, okay. this young gentleman for our gentleman for our five-a-side team. Didn't see who it was, but um, it's safe for now. It's uh, is that Vidal number eight? Yeah. Um, Lawrence Hart asks, am I right in understanding that Defence Eagles this year switched their home game with River to Racing Stadium? If so, will there be away fans? We have answered that one already. Um, hopefully, to your satisfaction, Lawrence. So the short answer is, uh, yes, you were right a couple of days ago, but no, you're not now, and no, there won't be. And Liam Kelly, who is no relation to me, says... Oh, he's replying to Lawrence's tweet, in fact. He says, that was the case, but now it's in Defence's Stadium with home fans only, so thanks for that. Liam, the next music that you hear is Mystic... Persons theme music. I'd say Sam, but it's not me. Um, and the next predictions that you hear are going to be Chris Murtagh's predictions for round four. So don't go away. Okay, Chris's predictions are as follows for this weekend: Olimpo versus Godoy Cruz. Draw. Atletico de Rafaela versus Rosario Central. All Santa Fe province team uh, tie that one. He's going for a draw. Newell's Old Boys versus Atletico Tucumán. Newell's to win. He's going for Venice Sarsfield to lose at home to Racing. Independiente, who are currently in action, of course, to win at home to Tigre. Uh, he's going for Huracan versus Sarmiento to end all square. Union to beat Belgrano in Santa Fe. Estudiantes to beat Tempele in La Plata. Patronato versus San Lorenzo. He's going for a draw, well, which is um, interesting. That'll be a great result for Patronato if they can get it. Tacheres against Banfield. He's going for a Banfield victory. Lanús against Aldo Civi is a draw. Boca Juniors are going to beat Quilmes in La Bombonera. Defensa y Justicia are going to draw with River in Florencio Barrena. Well, it could happen in, in playing in defensa. It can, indeed. Uh, Arsenal against Gimnasia. He's going for a Gimnasia victory. And San Martín de San Juan versus Colón de Santa Fe is a draw. Too many draws, like this weekend. There were. This weekend, just gone, there were, I looked it up just after we've mentioned that there were loads of them, and there were eight draws from 15 matches. Um, so Chris is obviously going for uh, a certain degree of continuity there. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven draws in Chris's predictions for this coming weekend. So we'll see what happens. Uh, thank you very much for making those, Chris. Anybody have any particularly interesting uh, t- 
tidbits to share ahead of the weekend to come, or any thoughts on Chris's predictions or anything like that? Yeah. I'm surprised that he picked Racing to, to win against Vélez. Maybe Vélez would like to kind of maintain the, 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 the good run they had, even if they lost against San Lorenzo. But at home they were quite good, so... Mm. And Racing is still adapting. Maybe it's the thing I it surprised me the most. Yeah, indeed. Um, I think by and large, so they look uh, reasonably good. Those ones, with with obviously a couple of exceptions, but someone's always going to make one that's, that was uh, that sounds controversial to other people, and I can't really comment now because I caught Tony out for predicting that Velez would beat Newells, and then they did, um, which shows you how much I know. So, dear listeners, thank you very much for listening to another episode of Hand of Pod. Hope you enjoy the football this coming weekend and um, tomorrow as well if you're a San Lorenzo fan at least when they're playing Deportivo La Guaira, which will be after this goes online. I will not say that I hope that you um, enjoy... Is it Cor- They're playing Coritiba away, aren't they, Belgrano? Yeah. Um, because that will have taken place already by the time you hear this. And to wit... At the end of this podcast, after the theme music, as usual, I will be back to tell you what the final score of Independiente versus Chapecoense was, and also the final score of Coritiba versus Belgrano. I find that basically if you speak Spanish but pretend that you've had a stroke, then it comes out sounding much like Southern Brazilian Portuguese. Um, so there we go. Thank you very much to, for listening, and it's goodbye from Tony. See you next week. I- Goodbye from Remy. Hasta la próxima. And goodbye from me. Goodbye. We're back with the scores. Independiente uh, against uh, Chapicoense earlier on. Finished nil-nil in Avellaneda. And then in a rather more entertaining match, just after that, Belgrano got a 2-1 victory. Um, over Coritiba with uh, English-born Turkey international Colin Kazim Richards missing a first-half penalty for Coritiba.